Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. This ball game belongs to my San Diego Padres. This is 97.3 The Fans Padres Roundtable. Outfield Edition. Presented by Bud Light Seltzer. Who will be the everyday center fielder? Who will play DH? Joining Ben and Woods and Quinn and Chris. Here's your host, John Cantera. Well, good Wednesday afternoon to everyone, and welcome to 97.3 The Fan. This is our Padres Roundtable presented by Bud Light Seltzer. We're going to focus in for the next uh, 60 minutes on the Padres outfield. Just a reminder, tonight at 640, Padres and Angels hook up tonight at Angel Stadium. It, again, at 640, it'll be right here on 97.3 The Fan. Ted Leitner and Jesse Agler will have the call. Well, we're only two days away from opening day. A lot of excitement around America's finest city about this young up-and-coming Padre ball club and a lot of uh, questions to be asked. A lot of questions to be answered. We're going to start with the outfield uh, once again today, and we're going to go around the outfield. What we look at right now is probably the starting outfield. It'll be Tommy Famine left. Trent Grisham will get the start in center, and Will Myers more than likely out there in right field. That should be the opening day lineup, and we'll talk about the uh, the reserves and who may play a part in the 2020 Padres season. I welcome in uh, Ben and Woods and Gwen and Chris. Gentlemen, it's very uh, great to have you today. We've had some great roundtables, and this will be our final one, and very excited about it. So uh, let's have a little fun here the next 60 minutes, and we'll get after it. And I'm going to start with Woodsy today. Woodsy, they bring in Tommy Pham. They make that trade back in December where they also brought in Jake Cronenworth. They trade Hunter Renfro and the young prospect Xavier Edwards to Tampa Bay. And what are you expecting out of Tommy Pham in his first year here in San Diego? Well, hey, good afternoon, Coach. Uh, good to be here for our 32nd roundtable on the Padres. I, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm excited uh, about Tommy Pham and have been since they, since they brought him over. He's a guy that's going to get on base. And frankly, when you look at this roster and you look at that outfield and you look at the guys available, he's pretty much your only guarantee. I mean, Tommy Pham in left field for 60 games is, you know, that's my, that's my bet of the day. Lock that in, 60 games out and left, uh, assuming he stays healthy. He is your cornerstone right now in the, in the Padres outfield. He's a guy that gets on base a ton. He's got some pop. He's a really good defender. And uh, he's going to be a guy that, that, you know, slots right in the two or three hole um you know every game for for new manager jace tingler so i'm excited about him he's very intense uh i don't think he suffers fools you know he's he wants to win i saw an interview um he was really bummed to leave the cardinals and then he got to the Rays, and they started winning and playing well and then i think he was kind of bummed to leave the Rays. so hopefully <laughs> uh we can leave a you know decent taste in his mouth and, and get him excited about playing here in san diego and win some ball games Hey, Tony Gwynn Jr., I, I look at Tommy Pham, and for me, I'd like to see him hit somewhere maybe second, maybe third, like uh, Steve was bringing up. But in a lot of the projections, they've got to hit him fourth in the Padre lineup. Where do you see him hitting? You know, I, I think it's it's honestly it's contingent on on uh, what we get from Trent Grisham. I mean, if, if, if he's able to play as well as I think the Padres think he can play, then it gives you more options, give you more leeway to move a guy like Tommy Pham down in the lineup, more in the middle of the lineup. But he's too valuable as of right now. Going into the season, I think he's just too valuable of a guy who gets on base. And, you, you know, you, you have guys like Machado and Hosmer, and Hosmer had the 99 RBIs last year. Uh, Machado is expected to have a much better uh, production season this year. I just think early on he probably will be in that second spot. But if Trent Grisham gets rolling, uh, you could see that 
three, four spot kind of open up, and it kind of gives the Padres a lot more length then. Hey, Ben Higgins, uh, there was a lot made of Tommy Pham. You know, last year, towards the end of the year, he DH'd a lot for Tampa Bay because he had that barking elbow. How concerned should we be, and how concerned should the Padres be about that elbow? And could we see him maybe DH a little bit, you think? I wouldn't be surprised, although I think uh, Jay Singler is going to use his designated hitter. Uh, while it may be an opportunity to, to get Ty France's bat or Josh Naylor's bat into the lineup, it's also going to regularly be a day off in the field for regular players. So I think you could see Manny Machado. You could see Fernando Tatis Jr. once or twice. And I think you'll definitely see Tommy Pham uh, be the DH on occasion. But I think uh, the Padres have too many question marks in the outfield coach for Tommy Pham to be a regular DH. They need him to play out there. They don't have uh, a plethora of options. I mean, they've traded away Hunter Renfro, Manuel Margot, Franchi Cordero, uh, you're going to need him to actually play the outfield this season. So uh, hopefully they're confident enough in that elbow that, that he can be out there for most of those 60 games. I would also uh, throw in a friend, Mill Reyes. Uh, Chris Ella, one thing I'm kind of excited about with Tommy Pham. I mean, this guy likes to get his uniform dirty. He's a gamer. Uh, he's an intense player, as uh, Woodsy pointed out. But he also plays with an edge, and he's going to hold his teammates accountable as well as himself. Yeah, that's the one thing that you like about Tommy Pham. It's the one thing that maybe concerns you a little bit about Tommy Pham because, as Woodsy says, you'd like to pen him in for all 60 games in left field. But he plays the game so hard that uh, you wonder if he's going to even hold up for two months. I mean, this guy just goes uh, goes right to the wall every single time he's out there. So uh, Tommy Pham is a fantastic pickup. I think of all of the players that were picked up in the offseason, traded away, uh, all the movement that the Padres made, I think this is the, the marquee guy. So uh, I, I think that uh, he's got to have a big year for the Padres to have a big year. He's got to be successful against right-handed pitching. And I think that, uh, you know, the same goes for Machado and for Tatis uh, on the left side of that infield. They are going to have to be successful against right-handed pitching because uh, I think these are the three best offensive weapons the Padres have. They're all bat from the right side of the plate. And I think that it's going to be important for Pham to be able to hit from both sides of the play, which he can do. He's got to continue doing that this year. But uh, this is a 2020 guy last year, 21 home runs, 25 are, uh, stolen bases. Um, you know, I'll take those numbers this year in 60 games. Let's just put it that way. Well, he's also a 3.7 uh, war player a year ago <laughs> and had a 373 uh, on base percentage for his career. And that's one thing, Tony Gwynn Jr., he's always found a way to get on base. Yeah, he's found a way to get on base. That's what he. That's what his calling card has been. He started to really come into his own power-wise uh, and kind of putting the whole package together over the last two, three years. And I, you guys guys remember, Tommy Pham is 32 years of age. This guy is highly motivated to get to that free agent time or to at least be able to cash in. He knows this could be his only chance to do it. Uh, these couple of years. So this is a guy, the reason you see that intensity, the reason why uh, he kind of plays the game in which he, the way in which he does is uh, I think he's highly motivated. This guy is, is going to be a leader of this ball club. And listen, this outfield is, is I think as Ben said, is really going to hinge on him being out there and, and being able to produce the way the Padres think he can. You know, I look at center field uh, right now. Trent Grisham uh, appears to be the, the starter. Now, I don't know if he's going to be the everyday guy or they're going to platoon. We really don't know exactly what Jace Tingler has up his sleeve right now. But Trent Grisham, from what I've seen, I've really liked during the spring and during this summer camp. He's 23 years of age out of Fort Worth, Texas. Last year, got his feet wet at the big league level in 51 games, 156 at-bats. Hit only 231, but had a 328 on base percentage. Uh, got a little power. And the one thing I found out the other night Ben Higgins there was a ball hit to right center field and he showed a little bit more speed than I'd seen earlier in the spring yeah I, I saw that one and just had it ticketed for a double uh, off the bat and uh, he tracked it down he's got speed Tommy Pham has speed uh, the Padres are a fast lineup I think uh, what Tony Gwynn Jr. said though was so important about Trent Grisham he needs to be able to get on base that 328 on base percentage boy if he can improve on that in his second season hit a little closer to 250, 260, get that on-base percentage up to like 350 or so, set the table uh, for guys like Manny Machado and Tommy Pham and Eric Hosmer, who have, even if he doesn't do anything else well, always seems to be able to drive in some runs. That's going to be the key for Trent Grisham. I don't care uh, if, he, if he doesn't hit a home run at all. If he's getting on base, 
uh, that is going to be incredibly valuable for the Padres this season, Coach. If you're just tuning in, uh, this is our Padres Roundtable presented by Bud Light Seltzer. We're focusing in on this 12 o'clock hour on the Padre outfield. You know, uh, Woodsy, I, I take a look at Trent Grisham. I think there's a tremendous upside, but I've seen a lot of young guys come to this Padre organization over uh, uh, the years, and, you know, they come in, they may get off to a slow start. The organization starts, you know, platooning them or, or sitting them down. Hey, I want this guy to go out there day in and day out, maybe against a, a certain left-handed pitcher, maybe you give him a blow. But, you know, if he starts out 0 for 8, 0 for 12, I don't want them to all of a sudden, you know, uh, uh, realize, hey, you know what, we can't play this guy every day. Hey, I want this guy to, you know, get an opportunity to really make himself into an everyday major league ball player because I think he's got the talent. I think he does too, Coach, I, and I'm with you. I mean, uh, you know, we've seen we've seen what you just said. We have seen that a lot. There have been guys that – you know, got a little bit of an opportunity, but we've also seen we've also seen this organization stick with guys maybe too long. Um, not to name any names or anything like that, but people have had plenty of chances. And I hear what you're saying as far as, hey man, it's yours if you want it, go get it. You know, we've had the uh, kind of vacant black hole at second base for many years, and and there were guys here that you know would rather go play video games than than to actually take that job uh, that was handed to them. So I'm with you. I hope Trent Grisham. Uh, goes and does that every single day and you know I, I I like him in center field too I know exactly the play you were talking about in that game I said the same thing on the air of like I looked up and he was right there and uh, whoever was playing right at the time was like wow you actually made it all the way over here and made that catch look pretty easy um, if he can can, can patrol that center field uh, at Petco and beyond you know I, and and get on base like Ben said I mean he's going to be a really valuable weapon Hey, Chris Ella, what have you seen of Trent Grisham in the spring? Well, uh, I've seen a guy that wants to change the narrative, uh, basically. And the narrative on Trent Grisham, not our narrative, but the narrative around Major League Baseball is that this guy made an unfortunate error last year in the wild card game while he was playing for the Milwaukee Brewers that helped the Washington Nationals win that wild card game and uh, begin their march to the World Series. And, and I've seen a guy that wants to change that narrative. I, I don't think he wants us talking about that all the time and wants to be remembered for one play. He wants to be remembered for being a solid everyday major league ball player. And I think that that mistake motivated, motivates him. And I've seen a very motivated player this, uh, this uh, spring. Uh, he's not somebody that backed away from talking about that play. Uh, he understands it's it's something that happened, but I, you know, something like that happens at that time on a national stage, and uh, you don't want that to follow you around. So I, I think he's highly motivated, and I like that. Um, he's going to have to produce offensively, though, for sure, because center field is a position you've got to get some offense out of, whether it's a guy that gets on base and steals bases. He only stole one base. He only tried one steal last year. So I'd like to see him run a little bit more. But defensively, that's his calling card, and uh, he's got to make every single play out there. Uh, you know, he's replacing a pretty good defensive center fielder, Manuel Margot. So, uh, you know, I think there's a, some pressure on this young man. But like I said, I think this is a guy that wants to change the narrative. He wants us talking about Trent Grisham, the ball player, not Trent Grisham, the guy that, that made that unfortunate play last year in the playoffs. Tony, you walked in Trent Grisham's shoes once upon a time. He was drafted, developed in the Milwaukee organization just like you. And, you know, what have you seen out of him? And where do you think he would best uh, be suited to hit in the lineup? I think in a perfect world, he he, fit, he hits into that two hole. He fits into that two spot. And uh, I watched Trent Grisham last year in the second half kind of figure things out offensively. And, and you know, he did have the, the, the mistake in that playoff game that cost the Milwaukee Brewers, but I – I, I, I challenge the Padre fans to look beyond that because here is a rookie that was starting in a uh, wild card series. You just don't see that very often. That just kind of speaks to the type of talent, the type of belief the Brewers had in him. Now, that being said, he's going to have to produce offensively, but this is a young guy. I think if you give him time, and I know we only have the 60-game season, but if you give him time, I think he's going to be – uh, this the Padre center fielder for a long time to come. I, I I've liked what I've seen from him at the plate. We were talking about him getting on base. He commands the zone very well. Has good at bats. Uh, at least the ones that I've seen. So uh, I think he's going to build on it. I, I I don't know if he starts off in that two spot, but if he can get going and, and swing the bat offensively, that's the spot I think that helps the Padres the most. All right, gentlemen, we're going to move to Will Myers, and you know I did a lot of. Uh, 
work on Will Myers last week and getting prepared for today's show. And I've got numbers uh, coming out of the woodwork here at my helm. Uh, he was a zero, a minus 0.4 war player a year ago. I want to th- throw these numbers out. You guys kind of uh, let them soak in, and then we'll go around the horn here. Last March, he had 13 at-bats. Uh, just a few games in March, he hit 462. And then he followed with April 216, May 208, June 188, hit 233 in July. August, he hit 233. And then in 77 at-bats in September, he got hot at 312. Now, the thing that I never get too excited about is what a guy does in September uh, if he's had a rough year because a lot of times you may be facing guys up from AAA, AA when the rosters expand. But it looked like his at-bats, quite frankly, from my vantage point, about the last six weeks were much better than they were earlier in the year. And, and Tony, I'm going to start with you on this. What did you see out of Will Myers at the end of last year, and what have you seen out of him so far during uh, training camp? I'll be frank. I I, I don't know that I saw anything different in that second half uh, of last season other than the fact that he was seemed to be in a more relaxed spot mentally and was just having better at bats. However, this spring and into, you know, this uh this this summer camp 2.0, there's a mechanical change. He he's releasing his backside, which is something that I I I had always questioned in my mind, but he had had success doing that. So who am I to question it? But um, that's the thing that I see differently that could be uh, could allow him to sustain better swings throughout the course of the season. Now, uh, even in that last second half of the season last year where he was swinging the bat so good, he was still mechanically the same guy on the finish. I'm seeing a different guy now. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to all of a sudden be the player that we expected, but I think it gives him an opportunity to carry consistency throughout the season the way he's swinging the bat now. Uh, Chris L., the numbers don't lie. Listen to this. Uh, first pitch last year when Will Myers uh, swung at the first pitch, put it in play, he had 45 at-bats where he did that. He hit 333 On a 1-1 count last year, he hit 281 when he put the ball in play. Then when he falls behind in the count, 1-2, and two, he hit 104. And on a 2-2 pitch, he hit 164. And on a 3-2 pitch last year in 64 at-bats, he hit 188. So, you know, when he's ahead in the count, boy, he's a dynamic hitter. He falls behind in the count or even even in the count, he seems to really struggle. Yeah, don't get two strikes on you, Will. I mean, uh, <laughs> it's pretty clear. Uh, you know, the funny thing is, is, I mean, I just appreciate Tony Gwynn Jr. so much because, I mean, I was going to come on here and talk about how Will Myers needs to release the back side on the end of his swing. Mm-hmm. The technical changes that Tony's talking about, I have no idea what he means. But uh, I hope that he's right, and I hope that Will Myers has made a change that's going to help him throughout this season. I, 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 I have called it now for two months, and I have to still call it. This guy has a great chance, and the people are going to boo. You're going to so loud that you're going to be able to maybe hear it through the radio right now. But this guy has a great chance to be a comeback player of the year. He's, a, he's that type of performer he's he this guy's had a 30 20 career uh, year he's had a 28 28 season uh in, in in just a couple of years ago the last two years he has slumped badly compared to those two seasons but there's nothing that tells me that will myers can't get hot for a couple of months a couple of months and and, and i just i think that it's just going to turn for him i love his attitude He's always he's always upbeat. He's always a good guy to hang around with. He doesn't get down on himself. He just keeps on plugging away. Hopefully, a couple of you know little changes in the batting stance and the batting swing, as Tony so adroitly pointed out, will help help keep him a little more consistent. But this season is going to the you know the MVP of the National League is going to be somebody who has two good months. And I'm not saying it's going to be Will Myers. But he could he could be a comeback player of the year because he's got the ability to have 30-30 type numbers. He just hasn't come anywhere close to it for a couple of years. But I'm I, I'm I am riding the I believe in Will Myers train, and I'm probably going to ride it right into a wall. But I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Woodsy, uh, Will Myers is not a young player any longer. He's 29 years of age, and, uh, you know, we know about his contract over the next three years. He's making $20 million a year. Of course, this year it gets prorated uh, because of the pandemic and, and only 60 ball games. But 
it's been very frustrating to watch because you see how much talent this guy has. Yeah, uh, Coach, he's he's kind of your – you look – okay, you look up the road in L.A. and what they did today, and, uh, you know, they're, it's very close. They're going to be locking down Mookie Betts for 10 years, you know, some ungodly amount of money. I mean, you look out in right field for the Padres and been a bit of a revolving door, and you'd love, again, somebody to see that opportunity and seize that opportunity. And, you know, I, I don't disagree with anything Tony said. Obviously, he knows uh, the game. He knows the technical side of the game. He's played the game. Same with Chris Ello. Um, I, here's my only thing is I'm kind of tired of waiting on him to come around and decide that, I am, yeah, you know, I am going to play up to my potential. It's, it's been a while. How, what's the old adage? You know, if somebody shows you who they are, believe them. You know, this is kind of what we've seen. And, and until I see differently um, in, in, you know, recent now and, and moving forward, I just – it's hard for me to really – um, believe in him the way that Chris does, or maybe even Tony does, or or maybe you do, or Ben does. I, I just want to see more, and and I know that it's you know when you're a big league hitter, you've got to be relaxed up there. You've got to be, you got to look like nothing's bothering you. I kind of feel like he acts like that all the time. <laughs> you know, like I, that's the attitude I've seen from him for the last few years, and I want to believe in him. I want him to be a thirty thirty guy again. I believe he does have the talent, but man, is it ever time? You know, he's one of those guys kind of on the list of like, all right, whenever you're ready, let's go. I mean, we, we knew how he felt about Andy Green. It was on record. Uh, so hopefully, hopefully the change uh, in management will, will help him get a kind of a fresh and new start. Uh, ben, you think we're going to see Will Myers a little bit of DH, and could we see him a little bit at first base as well? I know he's been working out there. Well, I'm still soaking in those numbers you gave us earlier. I wanted to make sure that they were fully absorbed, <laughs> Coach, because those were some pretty bad numbers you gave us on Will Myers. Um, I, you know, I was a big proponent um, in the offseason of using Will Myers at first base as a platoon with Eric Hosmer. Will Myers hits lefties pretty darn well. Eric Hosmer hits righties pretty darn well. And Will likes playing first base. And Will likes playing first base. It was, I thought, a pretty elegant solution. And while most teams wouldn't – you know, put their $13 million a year guy or $20 million a year guy on the bench uh, against left-handers, I call it a sunk cost. You don't just keep throwing a guy out there if he's not hitting. However, after the trades and, you know, with the shortage of outfielders that the Padres have left themselves with, I don't think you can do that as regularly. Will it happen? Absolutely. Um, I think you'll see Will Myers at first base. I think you'll see him at DH from time to time. I do want to point out, I may not be as optimistic about Will Myers as Chris Ello, but – we were just talking about Trent Grisham, and, hey, 328 on base percentage, you know, gets that up a little bit, and he's in good shape. Will Myers still had a 321 on base percentage last year. Uh, it was, you know, not what we were hoping for, but it's not like he is so far off the reservation getting on base. Stole 16 bases, has 93 career stole, steals. He's got speed. He still walks a little bit. He's got to cut down on those strikeouts, and he's got to drive the ball a little bit more. Will Myers could actually be fine. So uh, they're going to need him, whether it's an outfield, first base, and designated hitter. He'll get his share of at-bats this season, Coach. Whether they're good at-bats or bad at-bats could go a long way toward determining uh, whether the Padres are a playoff contender. I can feel Tony Gwynn Jr. wanting to jump back into this conversation yeah, right now. Yeah, you, you know what? Ben's, <laughs> a, Ben's, Ben's astute baseball mind really just took my whole argument because once you get away from the fact that Will has struggled despite the amount of money that he's being paid, when you look at his numbers and you compare them to what else the Padres have, I don't know that you're going to find too much better. I mean, there's three outfield spots. You got Famine one. You got two. Right now, Trent Grisham is holding the center field spot. The guys that are remaining, uh, Will has the better numbers, especially considering what you're looking for from that position. So um, I, I don't know that it's a really about us really necessarily believing in Will. It's just a matter of what the Padres have and what they have available to use. Will's going to be one of those pieces, and I think he will play some first base. But um, regardless of, of, of how bad it's looked the last two years, Padres have to use what they have in front of them. Hey, Chris, where, do, where would you – if you're a manager, where would you hit Will Myers this year in this lineup? Oh, I'd start him in the six or seven spot and have him prove that he deserves to move back up. Uh, you know, I, I, I really want to see somewhere, somehow, Fernando Tatis Jr., 
out of that leadoff spot where he can get in the middle of the lineup and do some damage. Uh, I don't. I think Will Myers. I'd love to see him doing enough damage that he deserves to be in the middle of the lineup. But um, you know, again, this is a guy that stole 93 bases. I mean, you can bat near the top of the lineup if you want to. I mean, the Padres have a lot of a lot of potential potential uh, room to move guys around in this lineup depending on how these guys are playing. And I, I just think, you know, the, the Will Myers that the, that the Padres had two or three years ago, he can bat anywhere in this lineup. But the Will Myers the Padres had last year can't even bat in this lineup anywhere. So it's just a matter of what he's doing in terms of where I'm sticking him. Where if you're just tuning in to the program, this is our Padres Roundtable here on 97.3 The Fan, presented by Bud Light Seltzer. We're focusing in on the Padres outfield. Woodsy, Chris just made a statement about Fernando Tatis Jr., and I know we're talking about the outfield today, but if Fernando Tatis Jr. was not the Padres' leadoff hitter, you know, the entire year, who would be a likely candidate? It's a good question. Uh, you know, I haven't seen enough from a guy like uh, Edward Olivares uh, yet to, I mean, you know, he's got the speed, right, Coach? So back in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, yeah, you put that speedy guy at the top, see if he can beat one out, bump, bump his way on, you know, scratch and claw to get on. It's just not that way anymore. I mean, you find, you know, the Yankees are batting Aaron Judge leadoff. A lot of a lot of your best hitters sometimes uh, hitting that one or two hole. So for I, Grisham, you know, I think would be a candidate for me. Um, to, to bat at the top of the order. And, and I'm with Chris uh, 100%. I, I mean, Fernando Tatis Jr. has every uh, opportunity to be a, a two, three-hole hitter. Hell, he could even back clean up. He's got a lot of pop, as we saw in a short short uh, season from him last year. So uh, I do think at some point he's going to need to produce more runs, but you, you're going to have to have guys on in front of him. So a Tommy Pham in front of him. Uh, maybe a Trent Grisham leading off. Could be interesting. And, and you know, this is this is the year to do it. All right, I want to jump around now. We've uh, gone through what we project to be the Padres' starting outfield. Tommy Pham in left, Trent Grisham in center, and Will Myers in right. But there's other guys in the mix, no question about it. Ben Higgins, uh, Josh Naylor, who, uh, boy, every time I look at him, i got to take a second look because I don't recognize him. He really did a great job during the offseason of, of getting himself in shape, dropping a ton of weight. and you know He's never going to be a gold-glove outfielder, but he has gotten better in the outfield. His primary position uh, most of the time coming up in the minor leagues was uh, first base. But the strength of his game is swinging the bat. What type of role do you see him playing on the 2020 Padres? You know, I, I think Josh Naylor still remains – a mystery uh you know he has he's not proven himself on the big league level yet he's had some opportunities last season but uh not not that many games uh really coach he's not he's not gotten to that point where i can say oh yeah this guy's definitely a big leaguer or you know is he a 4a hitter so i'm i gotta play that wait and see approach uh when it comes to josh josh naylor at 249 last season uh he's got a a pretty good swing you can kind of see it in there he he did well in the minor leagues um, now that there's a designated hitter, obviously, in play, uh, that works to his advantage, uh, getting his bat into the lineup. But um, I can't imagine that the Padres will want to see him in the outfield too much this season, uh, given that he's not a plus defender and uh, they should have better options to put out there. So he'll get a chance to, to swing the bat a little bit, thanks to the DH, and, and maybe to give a, a guy a day off out there every, every week once or so in the outfield. Uh, but Josh Naylor really has to kind of prove himself on the big league level still in my mind. Please don't put him in the outfield. Yeah, I don't, Please I don't really don't want to Nobody <laughs> wants to see him out there playing outfield. Especially when you got all these guys that can fly all over the place. I'll put Coach then... out there in right field before I put Josh <laughs> Naylor out there. Hey, uh, 94 games last year for Josh. He hit, uh, as Ben mentioned, 249. He had a 315 on base percentage. Uh, uh, eight homers, 32 RBIs, a 0.1 war. Tony Gwynn Jr., you've watched him play uh, quite a bit over the last couple of years, especially in spring training. What do you got on him? I like Josh. I think he, bat-wise, I see a lot of promise. I, I agree with Ben. There's still a lot to prove. But uh, in your first year at the big league level, you know, hitting, hitting eight homers, hitting 249 isn't completely that all, all that bad. Uh, I would like to see him uh, get some opportunity this year. And, listen, I think ultimately it's going to depend on what the offense is doing because if they're struggling and they need to find some bat, they need to find some production, he's going to get more opportunity. But if those same guys that we talked about are playing well, 
as has been mentioned, he'll probably only get some DH time, maybe uh, some some start starts at first base occasionally. Uh, but it's it's really going to depend a lot, especially in this short season, on what the guys in front of him are doing. And uh, unlike in years past, I don't know, it, at least if we're talking about Will Myers, that the leash is going to be as long as it has been in the past. So depending on what happens with that right field spot, that center field spot is really going to dictate how much Josh gets to play. But I, I think he's got some promise offensively for sure. Uh, Chris Ella, you saw Josh quite a bit last year, not only in games, but you're out there each and every day doing the talk show, watching batting practice. Uh, I think there's an upside with this kid. I really do. Hardworking guy. And uh, look, his nickname is the Mississauga Ma- Masher. Come on. <laughs> so, I mean, that's the guy I want as my designated hitter. But, um, yeah, I, I think he, he would love to be known. Again, another guy that wants to change the narrative a little bit. I mean, look at how good he looks. I mean, played himself into just amazing shape for this season and I think the whole idea behind that is is to go out there and play much better defensively he doesn't want to be known only as a guy that can hit and if he's known only as a guy that can hit then he has to hit a whole lot better I mean he just does I I agree with Tony the eight home runs I think is all right for your rookie season 249 eh you know I'm not thrilled with that 315 on base percentage needs to go way up but those numbers probably will go up a little bit just you know in general as you move along into your second season but if you're going to be a designated hitter I mean designated hitters mash I mean designated hitters hit 35 home runs 125 RB I mean the really good ones do and the the championship team DHs do so uh, I I think Josh Naylor would like to be able to play a little bit more in the field and kind of change that narrative a little bit I'm going to use that phrase one more time it's working for me right now, but uh, <laughs> I, I just I, I, I like Josh Naylor. I don't know how much he plays against left-handed pitching. He's got to prove that he can hit both sides. Uh, I think Ty France is another guy that's going to get some at-bats at the DH spot. But, you know, in fact, I, I'll be a little bit surprised if Josh Naylor is in there on opening night against Madison Bumgarner, lefty on lefty. That's a tough assignment, and it's not an easy assignment the second game against Robbie Ray, another left-handed pitcher for Arizona. So, uh, but Josh Naylor's going to have to prove to me that he can hit from both sides, and he's going to have to prove it a little bit in the outfield. But I think he wants to play some more outfield because I, I don't think anybody works that hard if they just want to sit there and be a DH, and, and that's not what he wants. So I, I look for him to be able to perform a little bit better in the field. Well, I think he showed a great attitude by dropping the, the weight, uh, you know, hardening his body up. I mean, he's kind of what you call in baseball a bad body guy, but he really worked hard during the offseason, and that tells you he's got an attitude and really wants to be a major league player on an everyday basis. You know, Woodsy, we're talking about his struggles in the outfield, and there's no doubt. I mean, really, only about two years ago did he start taking fly balls when he was down in the minor leagues. Then the next thing you know, last year he's in the big leagues playing the outfield, and, you know, I always kind of joke when uh, guys uh, talk, well, like I can't play this position or you can't play this uh, that position I would say hey as long as you drive in more than you let in you're probably <laughs> going to be in the lineup and I remember the old guy Greg Luzinski he wasn't a great outfielder but he could mash and you know Josh Naylor's not to that level yet but I think he's got an opportunity to be a pretty good major league hitter whether it's in San Diego or maybe somewhere else yeah I mean you know speaking of bad body guys it's uh me checking in uh, right now. But Josh Nail and I actually switched uh, physiques uh, throughout in the offseason. It's been great uh, for me. But now he's, you know, he's, look, he's got that, he's a guy, right now he's a guy. He's a guy with a ton of potential and a lot of power. And uh, I, I, I definitely love him against righties, don't love him against lefties yet. But, you know, you got to earn that, like Chris said. And um, I think with this team, with outfield being, Maybe other than the – I think other than the, the catcher position, I think the outfield is the one that's the most riddled uh, with question marks. And with question marks, Coach, and everybody else, comes opportunity. This is, there's opportunity there to be seized and grabbed uh, right now. And whoever wants it can have it. They just have to go. I mean, Jace has talked, you know, adamantly about, quote, unquote, riding the hot hand. Uh, you can absolutely play your way into a starting position – uh, for this baseball team right now, the opportunity is there for all of those guys to go out and kind of snatch that uh, coach. And why not him? You know, why not him? He's he's clearly put in the work. I mean, the transformation on his body is ridiculous. And uh, it's it, clearly he has, a, a, a you know, something in mind where he wants to be better. And so I'm I'm all for it, man. Just I, I just want him to go out and produce. And uh, it'd be so nice to be able to slot him 
uh, in a DH uh, role against right-handed pitching and, and have him mash, hit 15 homers this year. That'd be amazing. If you're just tuning in, uh, this is our 97.3 The Fan Padres Roundtable presented by Bud Light Seltzer. We're talking about the Padres outfield, a lot to talk about, uh, a lot of questions. We need a lot of answers. And Tony Gwynn Jr., really the talk at camp, I think even in spring training, but even more so now in this summer camp, has been this 24-year-old outfielder who played last year in A by the name of Edward Oliveras. Last year in Amarillo, he hit 283 at a 349 on on-base percentage. Uh, 18 homers, 77 RBIs, 35 stolen bases, was caught 10 times, six minor league seasons. He's hit 274, had a double the other night against the Angels, struck out a couple of times. From what I've seen, I really like his approach at the plate. But, again, he hasn't seen this type of pitching, and there's going to be an adjustment period. But this guy definitely has some big-time talent. Yeah, talking about green, yeah, Edward Edward Oliveras is, is very green. He is new to this type of competition. Uh, which, when you go back and you look at his numbers, he seemingly has gotten better uh, each and every year. And uh, I think that's something you look for in a guy. Now, how that translates at the big league level, it, 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 it it's a big question mark. It remains to be seen. And how much opportunity will he get? Well, I, I think it, again, it, it all depends. And, and I, I guess Woodsy said it best. There are so many question marks dealing with this outfield other than Tommy Pham. So uh, I think Edward would get some opportunity at some point. I don't think – I don't see him at this point getting a lot of opportunity. I know the Padres have moved some guys, a lot of outfielders. We've mentioned all of them (laughs) in the last, you know, uh, seven, eight months. Um, But I just – I have a hard time seeing where he fits in right now with this Padre ball club. Well, Chris, the one thing about Edward Oliveras, uh, it looks like he's a pretty good defender, but he can run a little bit. And I think that's going to be a big part uh, of this season. I mean, I think Jace Tingler is going to have to be very aggressive, and there may be a point in time where Oliveras may not get a lot of uh, at-bats, maybe uh, maybe not get a lot of field time, but he certainly could be a catalyst maybe late in the ball game to help with his legs. I'm sorry, Coach. I was preparing for my show this afternoon. Are we talking about Franchi Cordero right now? Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> oh, we're not. Yeah, I'm still disappointed by that. Um, no, I the one thing the one thing I thought about when they traded Franchi Cordero, I thought a lot of things. Not not too many of them made me happy. Uh, I hope that this trade all works out beautifully for the Padres. But one of the reasons that I think that they traded Franchi Cordero is because of Edward Oliveira. So uh, let's hope that he when he gets the opportunity, he's able to show that this is, you know, this is why they, they felt Franchi Cordero was somewhat expendable. Not that Franchi Cordero was, was you know, getting ready to go into the Hall of Fame yet, but I, I think the potential of Franchi Cordero was fantastic, and I was really looking forward to seeing what he could do this year. But that's not going to happen in San Diego. So let's talk about Edward Oliveras. Let's hope that they were right, that this young man is ready to break through at this level and, uh, and contribute. I mean, y- you talk about, you know, Tony said, correctly there's probably not a lot of spots on opportunities for edward Oliveros, but whatever ones you get you better make the most of it uh it's kind of like you know if they're going to put your name in a lineup you better make sure that they keep it in there for a few games because you're you're making them you're making it difficult for them to take you out of there so and um i i just you know i haven't seen enough of him you know obviously at the big league level nobody's seen anything of him at the big league level we've seen some excitement in the uh in the in the summer camp uh I mean, Major League Baseball history is littered with guys that are exciting. Well, not in the summer camp, but in the spring camp. And uh, and then the games start, and you don't hear much from them again. So, you know, it's up to Edward Oliveras to keep his name relevant as this season goes along. Uh, ben, I think this this would be a very big jump for a young guy. I know he's played six minor league seasons. He's 24 years of age. But going from the Texas League to the big leagues is a whole different thing. And even the other night, he got his double, a good hustle double, came out of the box, never let up, and was able to, to leg it for a, a nice double against the Angels. But then he got overwhelmed a couple of times, uh, his next couple of at-bats. And, you know, his swing looks a little bit long, and that's something Damian Easley and the the hitting uh, coaches are going to have to work on. But there's definitely something there. I just don't know if in 60 games we're really going to see what we need to see out of Edgar Oliveras. It's funny, Coach. Chris is right. Um, it's, uh, It's a big jump, and there's a lot of guys who have looked good in spring training and not ever done anything during the regular season. However, 
even though he was just, I don't know, what, the 20th-ranked prospect for the Padres last season, kind of not someone that was talked about a ton. His name even kind of surprised me uh, this summer camp. Everyone does have to start somewhere. And just because he's not ranked is as one of the top five, ten prospects on the Padres list doesn't mean that they always get that right or those rankings are always right. The reason that you have a system with a lot of depth is that some guys that you thought were going to hit end up missing and they they flame out and don't turn into anything but occasionally you do find that guy who uh, you didn't have maybe as high hopes for as one of your you know first round draft picks but they figure something out it may have just have been a little thing something clicks in here or there and all of a sudden they're producing on the big league level am i going to go out and predict that edward Olivares is going to be the breakout star here for the padres in 2020 no of course not i think that would be pretty silly but i'm going to keep a very open mind that just because i didn't predict edward Olivares was going to be a star doesn't mean he doesn't have that ability to come come out and surprise us this year hey woodsy what should we expect out of Olivares? i mean just uh you know hit 250 uh, maybe run into a couple for homers uh you know what what should we expect out of him i mean what's fair uh, he's a you know tall lanky dude with a lot of speed and and uh you know tony and chris you know, tony you know i mean it's this is a whole different level uh, when you get up there. It's it's night and day from anything he's ever seen. And uh, I do love the fact that, hey, man, there's what he's done so far has kind of been my theme of this roundtable, right? Here's an opportunity. Make the most of it. That's what he's done, and that's what, he, that's what got him to this point. And, look, if he continues to do that, you're going to give him uh, more opportunities. If he if you give him a shot, he, you know, gets the win, you know, works his way on base, steals a bag, whatever, makes a great play. Yeah, you're going to get you're definitely going to it's all about trust. They're going to trust him uh to maybe put him in the lineup or a defensive replacement or whatever, you know, the role for him that they decide. But, you know, it, right now coach, I'm looking at it going, "Okay, yeah, fine guy off the bench to start, you know, uh maybe defensive replacement, maybe a pinch run, pinch runner late in the game or something like that, but I wouldn't expect to see him uh opening day or or even opening weekend. You know, Tony, one of the things that I'm concerned with, and I look at baseball, you know, it's all about drafting and developing, and with no minor league season, you've got, you know, 55 guys now in the summer camp roster. The guys are working out at USD and, and trying to stay in shape. A guy like Oliveris, if he doesn't get a lot of playing time, and maybe he won't end up being on the roster the entire year. They they signed Abraham Almonte here a week or so ago uh, for veteran outfield depth, and maybe he'll end up being on this roster. But, you know, all these young guys, the Taylor Trammells of the world, the Edward Oliveras of the world, you don't want this year to be kind of a waste considering they can't play in regular minor league ball games. You still want to try to move their careers ahead a little bit. Yeah, and, and that's going to be the question mark for all major league teams this year is how creative can they get in order to try to best. You're not going to be, be able to quite simulate what these guys get in the normal minor league season. But how best can you be creative in order to come up as close to that as you possibly can? And that's going to be something that I think we're all looking to see. And I caution everybody. We're talking about, you know, the different young guys that the, the Padres have and that could have an impact. If this team is in it, there's no reason to believe that they won't be in the trade market to bring somebody else in. And that doesn't necessarily mean the alpha. That could mean any spot. So, um, there are so many t intriguing things that could happen this year. Um, I, I, I'm really looking forward to seeing, and, and once the season gets going, talking to A.J. Preller, asking him how they plan on continuing to develop these guys. Because for guys like uh, Edward Olivares, you, miss, you mentioned Taylor Trammell, those guys need the work. These are your, your up-and-coming guys who are next in line, and, and they need this, these reps, how they're going to get them, I think is, is going to be the question mark that all Major League Baseball teams are trying to answer at this point. And Tony mentioned the uh, trading deadline. The trading deadline this year is on August 31st. August 31st, uh, the trading deadline. Of course, the Padres open up on Friday night against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Chris Paddock going against left-hander and our old buddy Madison Bumgarner from his days with the San Francisco Giants. Let's uh, move on and let's talk about Taylor Trammell. And, Woodsy, I'm going to start with you on uh, Taylor. He's 22 years of age. He's a good kid. He's a hard-working kid. Uh, I I'm watching him right now in these big league games. I'm really pulling for him because I got an opportunity to meet him and talk with him at, at great length at uh, the uh, Fan Fest. And, and I'm watching a guy right now that almost looks like he's trying to be too perfect and he's yeah. just a tad late, getting a little bit overwhelmed by Major League pitching right now. 
Yeah, you know, our first kind of introduction uh, was the other night. Of course, you know, seen some video uh, trickle in on Twitter here and there of uh, of him in the minors, and then you know he's out there at Petco Park, and they hit that shot out to right field. He goes up and makes a fantastic catch, and I'm yelling at the TV and like, hell yeah, Taylor Attaboy, you know, it, giving him the Attaboy. And uh, by all accounts, man, uh, a very very athletic player that just needs to. Um, just needs to get in his groove, and, and, and I definitely expect huge things from that kid probably next season. Uh, but to be up there getting a taste with these guys, and, yeah, I, I, I watched the same game as you did, Coach. Yeah, he looked a little bit late, a little bit tardy, trying to do a little bit too much, but that was pretty standard for, for a lot of those guys that came up to the plate. Um, you know, look, it's really, really hard to hit big league pitching, even in an exhibition game. But, man, defensively, looked pretty good. Uh, he did kind of boot one. Uh, in center field, he made a couple of really nice plays out in right field, but he booted one in center, led to um, an unearned run, I think. And But he's, you know, he's a toolsy guy. He's, I think he's going to fill out a little bit more, and he looks to be a player uh, in the future. I really like him. Hey, Chris Ello, last year, very mixed results down in the minor leagues. You know, he was with Charlotte before he came over to the Padre organization in the Southern League, 236, six homers, 33 RBIs. Uh, 32 games with Amarillo. He hit 229 with four homers, 10 RBIs, uh, and that was on 118 at-bats. He had the big grand slam uh, in their uh, championship win to win the Texas League. But, you know, his numbers in the minor leagues have not been very impressive, even though you go back to 2018, he was the MVP of the Futures All-Star game. Sorry, Coach. I was preparing for my show this afternoon. Were we talking about Fran Mil Reyes now? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, 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 I'm giving everybody and myself and the Padres a hard time right now because Taylor Trammell is obviously the guy that has to do something in terms of making that deal, you know, that the Padres made for Franmil Reyes, sending him off to Cleveland. If Taylor Trammell winds up being a, a star young player, then that trade's going to be okay. In the meantime, we have to watch Franmil Reyes, you know, do some damage uh, for Cleveland and. Uh, we don't. As part of that three-team trade, we have, we haven't gotten much from Taylor Trammell. The thing I, I I liked and didn't like about him at the same time, when Tony and I sat down with this young man at spring training, uh, Tony will correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, he's very analytical, and I mean he's he, he was constantly talking about you know what he needs to do, what he can do, his swing, and working on little particular things of his game. And I think that that's a great thing because I think that that's the kind of way that's the way you get better is you you're able to analyze yourself and be able to move on forward. At the same time, you have to be careful that you don't put too much pressure on yourself out there and you just relax and let your natural talent take over as well. So uh, that grand slam that he hit last year, uh, he seemed to indicate that that was kind of a big, you know, relief for him. Something you know to to to, to help his to contribute to his team's championship and. And I hopefully that you know sets him on the right path here forward as he comes into the into the major leagues with the San Diego Padres. Hey Ben Higgins, there's always a saying in baseball: paralysis by analysis. And maybe he's a little bit of an overthinker. Um, you know, I, I like to evaluate him on what he's done since he's come to the Padres organization, and uh, it's not a lot of time, just a couple of months, but he, he certainly acquitted himself very well uh, once he arrived and. I've liked what I've seen so far in spring camp and in summer camp. Uh, sometimes guys just need a little bit of a, a change of scenery, and, and so far it's done him well. Uh, again, uh, you know, another one of the young players to add to the mix. Uh, sometimes quantity is a good thing. I know they always say quality over quantity, but if you've got quantity, the odds are that, that some of these prospects really are going to hit, and it feels like the guys that A.J. Preller have now put together – well, I don't know which ones are going to be the stars. There's enough of them out there that just random chance leads you to believe that one or two are going to end up being really, really good baseball players. I think Taylor Trammell, uh, there's a good chance that he might be one of those. But I'm just glad uh, the Padres have him in the organization, and uh, it was a good buy-low move, I guess. Um, now, I would, you know, is Chris right now that there's a DH in the NL, and it could be here to say, do you think uh, Fran Mel Reyes could have been more valuable? Yeah, Probably. But uh, I don't think you can complain about acquiring Taylor Trammell. 
If you're just tuning in, uh, this is our 97.3 The Fan Padres Roundtable presented by our friends at Bud Light Seltzer. We're focusing in on the Padres outfield with only two days until opening day. Very exciting. Of course, we've got a ball game tonight. we got the Angels playing host to our Padres up at Angel Stadium. That game will get underway right here on 97.3 The Fan at uh, 640. Tony, you've watched uh, Taylor Trammell. There's a lot to like about him, but that bat looks a little bit tardy right now at the big league level from what I've seen. You know, what's interesting is I, I saw the same thing in spring training, like the first three at-bats I saw him, and then I saw him in his next four absolutely line three balls up, or line four balls up. So I, I think, as Ben said, sometimes guys, are, are timing is a little off. He hasn't had the consistent work that you're probably used to getting down uh, when you're actually in spring training. And, and young guys need I caution everybody. He's only had about 1,500 at bat, minor league at-bats total. This was his first full season at the double-A level. He had done well prior to getting to that level, and a lot of times you see prospects kind of go through a rut that first year at that double-A level and then take off right after. So uh, when I look at his numbers, he's right in, right in line with most trajectories in terms of when he's going to start to kind of to, to, to get his feet underneath him and start to be the player that we uh, are think he can be. And as of right now, he's just a guy trying to absorb as much as possible why he's around these big league guys, why he's around the big league coaching staff. He's trying to take in as much as he can. Will he have an impact on this year? Probably not. I see him more of a guy, and that's, again, a tough part. You miss out on being able to develop these guys while the season's going on, and the Padres are going to have to get creative, as I said, in order to not lose too much ground in his development. Uh, Chris, I'm going to come back to you uh, and talk a little bit about Abraham Almonte. It's going to be his second stint with the Padres. He uh, was with the Padres for 32 games back in 2014, uh, 31 games in 2015 before he was shipped to the Cleveland Indians. He's bounced around a little bit, but not a bad insurance policy, I don't think. No, not not, not on this ball club at all. I mean, we just talked about uh, the youngsters that the Padres have and are trying to develop right now, so, I mean, uh, the more the merrier here. Abraham Almonte, I, I, I thought, did some nice things when he was with the Padres in, in, in you know, with his brief stint here the first time around in 2015. And, uh, you know, it, it's why, or 2014 and 2015, but it's it's open. It's an open it's an open opportunity for this guy. If I was Abraham Almonte if at this point in my career, this is the perfect place for me. I mean, I, I'm on a team where we've got, you know, three – guys pretty much penciled in as starting outfielders a fourth guy penciled in as a designated hitter and two very young guys that are looking to make their way into the big leagues so I like my chances of getting an opportunity somewhere along the line you know if somebody gets hurt unfortunately you know and, and hopefully nobody you know correct contracts the virus but somebody has to sit out uh, a week or so because of that the, there's going to be some opportunities for backups to play and this is a this is a team where a veteran outfielder who's been around a little bit could uh, could jump in and help you out a little bit. You know, Ben Higgins, I'm kind of anxious to see what the uh, final 30-man roster is going to be. Are you going to go with uh, a couple of these young outfielders, or are you going to put the old veteran El Monte on the 30-man roster for opening day? You know, I think I'd go with the young guys. Uh, it's nice to have Abraham El Monte as a little COVID protection. You, you just don't know what's coming over these next two months, and uh, if you end up having to lose a couple of guys for – a couple of weeks that have to go into quarantine. Um, he's depth. He's been around. Uh, he's played for the Padres. It's it's nice to have him available. But I've seen enough of Abraham Almonte. I want to see what these young guys are doing. So, uh, you yep. know, Abraham Almonte, depth is, is, is all that I attach to him right now. Yeah, last season with Arizona, he only got into 17 games, 9 of 31, hit uh, 290. He had uh, – uh, a good little stint there for a short period of time with the Cleveland Indians and Woodsy. Uh, this also, if he ends up being on the roster at some point in time, it also gives Jay Stingler a little flexibility because he's a switch hitter. Yeah, and uh, I just I haven't thought about him in a while, Coach. And and I, you know, you get to that point where you're like, I hope we don't have to see a lot of, of Abraham El Monte. Nothing against him personally, obviously, but. Um, you know, the, the guys, the mainstays in that outfield this year, in my opinion, I think need to be Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham, and, and you know, I think Will Myers um, out there in right field. I, is that going to be where he gets the majority of his starts? Uh, I'm just not sure. I, I really don't know. But I, I think those are the guys. And the more we can see of those three, I think gives us the best chance to win 
baseball games. That's what I think. I think that that Fam, Grisham, and Myers out there in the outfield, that's going to be our best shot at winning games. You know, uh, Tony, I look at, uh, you know, Almonte. He, he's got a lot of uh, stickers on his satchel. He's moved around quite a bit, but he knows how to play the game. And for a young manager like Jay Stengler, he may not appreciate a veteran uh, as much as some veteran managers. But, you know, nice insurance policy there. And who knows, he may be able to help him win a ball game or two. Now, yeah, you know what, I, th- I think in Jace's case, he's, he's been around enough uh, to understand the value of a veteran guy. Um, my guess, though, is if we're seeing a lot of Abraham, that probably doesn't bode well for the Padres season. So, and, and that's again, that's not a knock on Abraham, but if you have the three guys that you just heard Woodsy mention, or a guy like Naylor stepping in every once in a while, uh, whoever the fourth out, outfielder may be, if it's not any of those four, you're getting deeper into your roster, which I don't know bodes well. But um, I, I think. In terms of if he is a guy that will be on the roster, I don't see it. I, I see I see the Padres probably uh, going with a, a, some of the younger guys uh, that I think are closer to being ready. Um, but, you know, I, I think, it, 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 again, when you have this 60-man taxi squad, you're going to be able to have some flexibility of, of what you need and what you don't need. I think, we again, it's going to boil down to what the production is of those first three guys we've already gone down. Okay, we've got about five minutes to go uh, in this roundtable, and these roundtables have been absolutely fantastic. I hope all you fans out there uh, have enjoyed them, and of course, uh, uh, we'll be talking Padre baseball day in and day out here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Benny, I want to start with you. Uh, If you're the Padres, A.J. Preller, Jay Stengler, how many outfielders are you carrying Friday night on opening night, and who are they? Uh, with the extra 30, um, I'm, I think I'm carrying five outfielders. I, I don't think that's your strongest position group. Uh, don't overload it. You've got other guys that you need, other pitchers that you're going to need. Uh, so I've got Tommy Pham, Trent Grisham, Will Myers, Taylor Tremell. Yeah, I think he makes the, I think he makes the, the roster in the end. Look at uh, you. He's number four. And uh, number five, who is number five? Olivares, oh, yeah, probably. I, I think, I, and, yeah, Edward Olivares. What about Naylor? Ah, uh, is he an outfielder? I mean, yeah, you're right. Quincy's right. Probably six if you include Naylor. Well, are we carrying five or six? <laughs> well, I, I mean, I, I think Taylor Trammell might be down there. So, yeah, stick with five. Put Naylor in instead of Trammell. Okay, I'm I'm, gonna, I'm writing all this down, you know. I'm, I'm writing <laughs> Fair it down. Enough. I, it's fine. Now I'm putting it's a fine. line. I, right I don't have to Taylor put together Trimble a roster, team. Coach. It's not my job. I just get to talk about it after it's done. <laughs> yeah, we get to pick it apart if, if it's wrong, Coach. That's the best job in the world. Yeah, I had to add Naylor. Okay, Chris Ella, I'll go to you. Who you have as your outfielders and how many of them? Uh, well, I'm going to have six, and uh, at the risk of upsetting any of the listeners who keep tweeting me to start talking about guys that are actually on the Padre baseball <laughs> team, um, it's okay. I understand your frustration, but I'm frustrated, too, that Franchi Cordero and Fran Mil Reyes are no longer here. However, uh, of the guys that are here, I think it's pretty simple to go with six, and uh, it's going to be Fam, and it's going to be uh, – uh, Trent Grisham in center field and Will Myers and uh, your backups are Oliveris and Naylor and 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 I think Taylor Trammell makes it Ben so I'm going with, <laughs> I'm going with the six and I'm going to go with Taylor Trammell on the roster. All righty, Woodsy, uh, I'm going to go five and I'm going to just take Taylor Trammell out of there. <laughs> I'm going to go the, the normal five and I, I don't know that he makes it. Uh, right off the bat. I wish I didn't have to go first on this. I know, right? You you spun me out, Coach. (laughs) Sorry about that. I'm sorry I put too much pressure on you, but you know what? Intercom's got a great EAP program. (laughs) (laughs) They do. (laughs) All righty, Tony. I'm going with five. Uh, Grisham, Myers, Naylor, Pham, and I'm going to say Taylor Schrammel gets, uh, gets that fifth spot. Remember, uh, the Padres have some pretty versatile dudes. I know Jerickson Profar can play some outfield, too, if they yep. need him to. He's played the corners before. So um, I like the five outfielders. I think based on where the prospect list is and how valuable they think these guys are, I think if it's going to be a young guy, it'll be Tremel over, over Oliveras. 
Okay, we've got a little over a minute. I got one question for you, and I want you guys to give me a rapid-fire answer. If this outfield struggles and the Padres need to get another bat in the lineup, could we see uh, uh, Francisco Mejia in the outfield at any point in time during the 2020 season, Steve Woods? I think we absolutely could and, and maybe even should. Uh, I I think he's probably best suited for left field, but Tommy Pham's probably got that on lockdown. So it uh, wouldn't surprise me to see Frankie Mejia out in right field, um, you know, hitting from both sides of the plate. Benny? I, I think that's a yes. I think that the Padres may need some help at outfield at some point, and if his bat is hot, it's a way to keep him in the lineup. Uh, it's something they need to consider. Chris Ello? No, I don't think so. I think left field's the only spot he could play, so uh, I, I can't see him in right field. He doesn't have a very strong arm, does he? I'm just kidding. I know he has a strong arm. Um, I just Right field is too important of a position for me defensively. Center field, no chance. So uh, I'm going to say no. I don't think you'll see Francisco Mejia in the outfield. All right, Tony Gwynn Jr., you're going to wrap it up for us. Yeah, no, I don't think we'll see him in the outfield, too. I think uh, they're going to give him a chance to genuinely platoon with Austin Hedges, focus on the uh, the catching position. He has some work to do there. So I, I don't see it happening this year. Gentlemen, it's been a real pleasure. We've had some great roundtables. You guys have a great day, and we'll look forward to uh, talking about the uh, ball game uh, tomorrow on all of our talk shows. Have a great day, gentlemen. Thanks, Thanks Coach. Coach. Thanks, Coach. Hope you enjoyed our 97.3 The Fan Padres Roundtable presented by Bud Light Seltzer talking about the Padres outfield. We're coming back with a whole lot more right here on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.